and welcome back to the latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, Memento Mori. It's the second episode of Chapel Wait on Epix, a adaptation of Jerusalem's Lot. Before we get in, into it, how was your week? Um, my week was ill. Ill. I got very sick. I Seek. just. With a cold. It's a cold. cold. Yeah, it's, it's a cold, not, everybody. I it's do a not cold. have COVID. Um, it has resulted in a 14-hour sleep cycle for me. I don't know if that's the proper word for it. You fell asleep last night at 6 and got up today at 8. Yes. <laughs> and I fell asleep promptly at 10 o'clock and stayed asleep for another three hours. Holy jeez. So um, it has not helped my back issues because... No. Lying on your back for 14 hours is not going to help sit in this camp chair. I think that's going to be my next move, <laughs> but I'm pretty awake right now, well, that's so good. I'm happy for that. How about you? Hopefully you've had a much better time. Mm, I'm trying not to get sick, so I'm dodging yeah. and weaving you. Dodging and weaving. Dodging, dodging and weaving. Bob and weave, Bob and weave. We had a get-together this weekend for yes, we a uh, dear friend who passed away, uh, and we went overboard with our potluck situation. We always did. So we are eating all the pasta this week. Yes, we are. <laughs> and I'm going out of town this weekend. So I'm you know, I'm in that pre going out of town week where there's too much to do and not enough days to do it in. And too much pasta to eat. Too much pasta to eat. Mm. And I've eaten nothing. Like I I didn't eat until eleven or like eight thirty last night and I haven't eaten yet today. So I'm not doing a great job at Taking that pasta down. How are your impressions of the memorial service? It was very nice. It was seven hours of being around people, which is longer than I've been around people in a while. Um, So that was a lot, but uh, it was good. Overall, it was good. It was nice to see those people again. It was nice to see those people again. And people that are your friends, thick or thin. So that was really nice. Agreed. All right. Shall we remember that we're going to die? Um, yes, especially after that service. That is what Memento Mori means. It's also the name of one episode of every single television show that's ever been released. Correct. Well, anything that had a, a darkness to it. Uh-huh. It would like you to remember as you are consuming this escapist media that you are, in fact going to die. You know, I, and I don't need my media to tell me that. I'm watching it so that I forget. <laughs> As I lie here sick and sometimes immobile, I am well aware of more mortality. Yes. So, this episode uh, originally aired on August 29th, 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, written by Jason and Peter Filardi, the showrunners of the show. And uh, directed by Burr Steers, the exact same set of people who wrote and directed the first episode. Uh, I when we hit play on this thing, it said there was it was sixty minutes long, but then when I hit pause, it was only fifty minutes long. So we may have missed ten minutes, but I don't. I so don't directors think we did. cut with ten minutes more. Maybe footage. it's possible. Yeah. Uh, the other piece is that we are going into Amazon Prime, and it is it has allowed us to watch both of these episodes for free. So we're two for two. 
with no paying. Don't know how long it's going to go on, but we'll keep you updated. I expected with this one that we'd have to sign up for a free epics preview, but we did not. So, uh, a bunch of stuff. This is a very plot heavy. This particular episode is dead, show, so. but the first episode was too. So I'm I'm willing to go ahead and go all in on. They are trying to get a lot done now. There, all of these plot things are also heavily character based. Um, which is good. We're not getting one or the other. We're getting one and the other. Uh, but it's very bleak, y'all. It's bleak. And also, sometimes I want to shake our hero, Charles Boone, and go, hey, why do you keep forgetting that this town is racist? Why are yeah, you keeps... sending your children into the jaws of the lions? He keeps I putting his children in such a way that they're going to be criticized and hurt. Yeah, and I'm just like, um, just because they're children does not mean that they are going to be immune from the hatred of this town. It's And, and it's and made town, clear yet again. The town hates yeah. him, but it hates them for a completely different reason. Well, it hates all of them because mm-hmm. they're boons, right. and it hates the kids because they are browns. So, And there's no mixing or any kind of... Um, diluting of that opinion it's like they're not white <laughs> i mean yeah. some character says that in the first episode yeah they can't be christian because they're not right. white which neither was jesus so i don't know how that even how you even get there we start with a birth scene mm-hmm. which is always harrowing in the 18 it's 1850 but still anytime in the 19th century that we have a childbirth. I'm like, okay, is one or one or both of these these uh, individuals going to be dead by the end of the scene? In this case, no, no. no. But the uh, midwife is straight horrified by the offspring, which we do see in a very brief uh, scene. We see it more Mercifully later. brief. We see it significantly more later, mm-hmm. but it is a baby with a, cle- a severely cleft palate, no eyes, as in the skin is uh, complete over the eye sockets. Um, not that there are just gaping holes; it's just their skin, their skin, and no eyes. And um, fl- fl- flipper flippers flippers instead of arms. So it's severely deformed. Yes. Okay. He has his father's eyes. No, he doesn't. Okay. And uh, then we leave that lady and her baby. We'll 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 come back to it. Oh, yes. <laughs> but that's the opening of that's a cold open to this episode. That will eventually lead to the Nathaniel Hawthorne segment of this program. Mm. So that well, I'm already at the Nathaniel Hawthorne. I'm uh, or no. Scarlet Letter? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm already at the pack your shit and move uh, stage of my goals here. So uh, then we are back at Travel Wait and uh, Rebecca, the journalist, I'd like to say again, journalist, nanny, yeah, journalist mostly though, uh, is uh, ruffling through Charles's desk. He's like, he walks in on her and she's like, oh, you're back early or you are out earlier. I didn't whatever. expect you to catch me doing this. Okay, yeah. 
uh, which I love that they turn, the, the, that turnaround. And she's like, oh, I just, I, I saw that my father, these are some letters from my father to your uh, uncle. And some of them are signed in his own hand. And, and uh, Charles is like, well, I don't need any of that. So if it's precious to you, go ahead and take it. Right. Like, There's no question about why she was going through his things, though. Well, he doesn't know that she's a journalist yet. Right. So, and he wants to trust her because he's not getting much support. He's from the desperate town. to trust her because everyone right. in town sucks, except Abel. We'll get to him. He'll be he'll be in this episode again. Uh, and she's like, no, no, no. Uh, my father worked for your uh, uncle, and then when I was fifteen, he left to move to New York City and started a whole new family. So uh, I have no sentimentality attached to him. And the look on Adrian Brody's face is just like, bitch, I did not ask it for was all a of bit that. More it was hilarious. And I was like, yeah, that was a lot of information that you just dumped in his lap. Uh, but at least it felt kind of natural in the interaction. You didn't feel like, here's some exposition for you. Dump. Yeah. Then uh, he goes and meets with the pastor to ask for some time to speak to the congregation. And they ha- are having a uh, sort of potluck, it seems like, that afternoon. And he offers him some time right at the beginning at 4 p.m. and asks if he'll be ready. And um, Charles says, yes, I will make sure that I'm ready if that's the time that I have. And at this point, we see the the pastor, and he has the most beautiful hairs. That's my takeaway from the pastor. Okay. <laughs> He'll be back later. Don't worry. On his way back, he's riding, and we see what appears to be the old version of the young quarantine girl who can't seem to stay quarantined uh-huh. uh, in the woods. She's uh, a very pale woman in a nightgown eating an apple. Kind of saucy. (laughs) Yeah, and she says the worm is calling, which he doesn't like, because worms... Danny boy, the worms worms. worms are calling. The worms had fallen on him last time, and then he was in a bathtub of worms, and the worms get worse in this one. Oh, do they ever. (laughs) Then he goes back to town... Well, no, back in town, there's also, there's gossip spreading and there's the people in the quarantine. The woman who's the mother of the girl in quarantine and the wife of the man who was riding a cart out to burn down chapel weight is frantic, does not know where her husband is because he returned, he did not return home the previous night. She's asking around nobody, including the people who do know where he went, is own, or owning up to the fact that they know where he went. <laughs> I, I like the fact that she's in a panic and they're like, uh, I don't know. Uh, where could he have gone? No it's not idea. like anybody suggested anything criminal to him. So, right, exactly. It's not like I loaded him up with kerosene and yeah. you know set him on his way or whatever. So that's happening in the town. We mm-hmm. keep getting flashbacks to her and she's freaking out. And then we see Charles go to the gathering of the church. And the pastor is very supportive. Um, in, in their previous meeting, uh, Charles asks if he personally blames 
his the Boone family for the sickness that has plagued the town, and the uh, pastor says no, which, you know. And the pastor has a stake in it because he lost a pair of twins. He did, yes. Uh, with his... Um, his lovely wife, Alice. Uh, yes, Alice. Alice... We'll come back to her as well. a piece well. of work. Uh, so, he... Uh, the pastor welcomes everyone, says he's got some announcements, but first, I've invited Charles Broome to come speak, and that's when Charles lays out his plan. And his plan is to use the wood from the mill to build cargo ships uh, on the, because they're on the river. They're on a river, so they totally can do that. Expand the sawmill's output and build these ships that are a combination of steam and wind powered. Uh That will go faster than any current ships. Uh, He's looking to hire 50 men, which would save this town. Would save this town. Absolutely. Straight up save this town. And uh, we'll be uh, in the town square the next day collecting signatures for people to sign up. And then he's like, uh, thank you. Uh, Don't want to intrude. I'm going to bounce. Bounce, bounce, bounce. And then he runs away. He doesn't even get a piece of the pie. The pie looks very good. He does not get any pie, no. No. Uh, And then uh, I should say we've had a previous scene with that pastor and his wife, who I had thought was one of the midwives at Uh at the opening scene, but I don't believe she was. And his wife is talking about the girl who gave birth, uh, calling her a whore, because she is um, not married, um, and she has had this abomination out of wedlock. Sorry, that's what that's what she's saying. And um, she says he, you know, she is a whore, and that the father of that baby is a coward. And then she walks away. And shouldn't the father of the baby be a whore too? Well. You know, yes. Okay. Uh, and I don't know if she knows who the father of that baby is. Of what, Alice? If it's pointed at him or not. Um, I don't think Alice knows. I think Alice is trying to sniff around and find out who the father is just to fulfill her morbid curiosity. You think so? You mm-hmm. don't think she knows it's her husband? That's right. It's the pastor because we are in a Nathaniel Hawthorne book. And then Hester. No. Um, uh, the woman won't tell. Yeah, so she, Alice then goes to the woman and says, you know, the man doesn't love you. He's left you here alone. Um, he, You know, he's left you with this burden. You know, unburden yourself and, and tell who he is. And she's like, my my baby doesn't need anybody but me. But previous to this, of course, we'd seen a scene where the pastor does go visit her and lays eyes on his son and says he loves him, does accept this baby, even though this baby is rough in 1850 and rough today. It's, uh... (laughs) I wonder if they presume that this baby is going to die. I don't think the baby has long to live in that condition. I don't think so either. I think, especially Cliff Palliser can particularly, I believe, can prone to uh, various infections. Yeah, that seems to be the case in the fact that the baby has no eyes. Will be blind. Right. Will be unable to... Well, it's arms... I mean, it could adapt to use its little flipper hands. 
But if that was one of the conditions, that if that was the condition. But it's just it's a lot. We don't know if it can lot. hear. Yes. We don't know. Yeah. So we don't know. But this this uh, the pastor does say, you and I are going to go to California with our son and raise him. Like, that is what he tells her. And that is why when Alice goes and says, hey, out this man, she's this woman is like, nope, I won't. I won't gonna do I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna satisfy your curiosity. I'm not going to try to Yeah, I don't think Alice knows, to be honest. Okay. I think that Alice is I think there's thought online that she is trying to she is she's a, a, targeting her words directly at her husband, waiting for him to break. That's but, interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but it didn't I don't know, it's me. unclear to me. Yeah. I didn't think so either. She just seems to me like a busybody who wants to you right. know, busy her body. Yeah. Uh so then we have the night that um, Charles has made his declaration at the church. He and Rebecca are at uh, the house, and they toast their individual professional endeavors. I'm not unclear what hers is. I think she does tell him that she's a writer. Right, she does. Which is... But she doesn't... Wild. Uh, yeah, I don't think that, she, that he has a clue yet or... A, He's too occupied with his constant failure to try to get the town engaged in saving itself. Well, we haven't gotten to the the big. I mean, but we have it yet. so far. We have the fact yeah. that they're not really receptive to anything he's saying. Yeah, and while that's happening, Susan Mallory uh, bangs on their door, and uh, they open the door up, and this is the young girl who's supposed to be quarantined. None of these people. This is. Mm. They don't understand what quarantine means. Neither do we, apparently. Neither do we. 150 no. years, and we've learned uh, nothing. 170 nothing. years, we've no. learned nothing. Nothing. So it's a it's a real bummer. They open the door, and all of us were like, don't invite her in, because we figure she's a vampire. But uh, she didn't need to be invited. She just walks herself right the fuck in. And uh, they, like, wake her up, and then she's, like, super scared. And Rebecca's like, I got to take her back to her school, or to our house. And Charles is like, you can't go, like, they're going to freak out that she's here. And I'm like, and she's, and Rebecca's like, well, what the fuck? She's got to go home. I'm taking right. her home. He's like, she's sick. And I'm, and, and Rebecca's like, I'll be careful, but I've got to take, what are we just going to let her just wander in the dark? That's ridiculous. I'm taking well, her I home. I think that the, his idea was just to let her stay there or something or keep her confined, which... Also, you've got sick. You've got kids here. Right. Get them. No, they gotta go. He does caution his children to stand back, and they step yes. back a foot. A foot. I know. It's which well, will really yeah, germ theory is not a thing yet. It's fine. Yeah. So Rebecca returns Susan to her mother, who is very convinced that the Boons took her husband, and uh, is all, are also is also convinced that the Boons made her sister sick, even though they haven't been there for a year. Like right. The the cousin, Stephen, he died a year ago. And Charles has gotten there three days hence or something like that. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then Rebecca uh, heads back. And that the next morning, this is the scene we were talking about. It's the, it's the worms scene in this episode. And it's a rough one, y'all. The worms. It's a rough in, one. The worms go out. Adrian Brody's nose is... Perfect for this scene, though. Or just play pinochle on your snout. Pinochle is a card game, so I never. I always pictured them playing, um, like a some sort of 
What's the word? Twister? No. Okay. That would be a good worm game. Though. No. Um, the game with the mallets and croquet. the ball. Croquet. Yes. I, I always pictured Pinochle as croquet, but pe- what, worms don't have arms, first of all. But if they can hold cards, they can hold a croquet mallet. Uh, but he's shaving with a straight razor. And then he pulls two worms out of his nose. And then he cuts his nose open with a straight razor. To get at the rest of the worms. To get at the rest of the worms. And there you see blood dropping into the basin and worms. And then we come back and he is, uh, in fact, un- uncut and done bleeding. And this is another one of the hallucinations that he's no so concerned about. Yeah. I, um... It was rough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that we didn't see as much of that as we could have. Uh, that there was some sort of discretion on the behalf of the filmmakers not to have to show you all of that. Yes. Uh, oh, let's talk about the kids. So okay. the kids the day before had gone to school. Uh, Loa, oh, previous to school, uh, Charles had taken Loa to the doctor. And Loa has a brace on her leg. She has had, she has rickets. And it has damaged the legs, the bones in her legs. And so rickets is the malformation of calcium in the extremities because of poor nutrition. Is it a scurvy-related thing? It seems to be that she didn't get enough calcium in her early formative years, and it often leads to bow legs and other conditions like that. It's a very old thing. They used to tell me I would get it when I was a kid. Um, vitamin D. Yeah, vitamin D. So it is a vitamin deficiency, probably fairly common on smalls um, that are raised on the sea. Certainly, on ships. Yeah. Um, which I remember as a kid, they told us it was James Lind, I think the physician, who discovered that if you give people oranges and limes, that they uh, would develop the proper vitamin production against scurvy and rickets. Yeah, both of them. And that's why the English sailors were called limes. Limeys. Yes. Yes. And now it's a slur. Yes. Yay. Slurs. Uh, so Loa, they want, the doctor wants to give her the, pres- the regular medication. Charles asks um, for something different and better, and they don't have anything. So that's a bummer. Uh, and then Loa goes to school and is called up to the, the board to fill in. Uh, she's asked where Hawaii is, but she fills in all of the islands. Guam and right. Guam is what I remember. Hawaii, the island, you know, the, uh, the it's still the nation, island nation of Hawaii. Um, but she fills everything in, and on her way back, of course, she is tripped by the school bully because that's what bullies do. Uh, at which time, Tane attacks that dude, and then Tane gets in trouble, and I'm like, could we? This is very uh, familiar. Uh, but while she f- has fallen, the bully pulls off her shell necklace, and the, the, that necklace belonged to her mom, or the shells did. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I believe it was the shells. Um, so she's collect- she collects them all back up, and she's she's got them at the house, and um, she's trying to put them back together. And the next morning, um, as they're having breakfast, Loa blames Tane for taking them because they are missing now. They were definitely in the house last night, and now they are missing. 
which puts a little bit of a damper because it's Hall Hallows Eve, and they had been maybe um, planning on doing a thing. They separate, and Honor and Tane put together some very creepy old-timey uh, children's uh, Halloween costumes, which... If you've seen photos... <laughs> I thought this was Rebecca that put that together. There. Well, no. it she, Rebecca had taught them about All Hallows Week okay. even and uh, costumes and stuff, but it's Honor and Tane that put together the thing to show, and then show their dad. And then the other thing that has happened today is Charles has gone to the um, blacksmith to have him put together a lighter brace for right. Loa. We don't know that's what it is. He gives him plans and says, you know, you have these parts. Can, I'll give you, uh, you know, I'll pay you extra if you can have it done today. And, um, and she does, he does give it to her at the end of the day. And she is grateful for that. It's like, it has like leather around the knees so that it's not just all metal all the way up her leg. Um, at which point, um, you know, well, I, I like the fact that it's like <clears throat> their Halloween costumes are, or the, the masks yeah. are knit. I thought they were burlap sacks. I thought there was there's like stitching on them. Isn't yeah, there? I thought they were burlap sacks. Okay. I don't know. Here's the thing: old timey Halloween costumes are straight up fucking terrifying. Well, this it reminded me of the kid in the orphanage. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did I fucking say? Straight up terrifying. Right, uh, Tomas. Remember the yes, kid has like a, with the sack over, over his, his head. head. I don't <coughs> like it. It's and I've seen pictures from the Depression where basically they were like uh, burlap sacks and other things that they, they, they got goods in and they would stitch eyes and whatever and cut eye holes in them and that was the kit. But it wound yeah. up making every child look like a horrid scarecrow yeah. that was coming after you. And um, I should say that uh, Charles had gone back to town that day to get people to sign up. And you know how many people signed up? No people. No people. No people signed up. Because, uh, yeah, this town is so hell-bent on killing itself. On this weird sort of town suicide where they're not going to do anything to save themselves despite yep. the fact that they don't have any prospects. Yeah, they're like, we don't need your money. And I'm like, wrong. And, and also, how much money. money does Charles have? Because he's um, throwing it around. He may have gotten some. Oh, he may well, have. he inherited it. He, well, that's true. House. That's true. I mean, he, he he was the captain of that whaling ship, and if he sold the ship, I'm right. sure he made a fair amount of money, but he, there was probably money with the... The estate. The estate, too. That's true. Um, and nobody signs up, and the old priest preacher who had said, you know, just pack up your shit and leave. Right. Comes by and yells at him to you know pack up his shit. That's his. I think at this point I would just go out of town and find some other talent because there there seems to be just such a a willful ignorance on the behalf of the people living there. Yeah. Just start recruiting from out of town, bring people from out from somewhere else who don't have these prejudices and these stigma. I can understand extending the help to them first, but. It's it's gone too far now. They're not going to help you no matter what happens. I yeah. mean, even yeah. when it's in their own interest, even when this is, I'm just this is this is why this last scene infuriates me. Uh-huh. So Charles goes back, he's deflated. Um he couldn't get help for his daughter, he's deflated. 
Um, there's a fight between Loa and Tane. They're deflated, but they all decide that they're, well, they still want to go to the town to do the All Hallows Eve, the trick-or-treating. That's basically what it is, right? It's uh-huh. trick-or-treating. And um, Rebecca is, like, if, egging them on, and Charles is like, yeah, okay, we're going to go do that. We could do it here. And Rebecca's like, you know, we could do, I could write a play, and we could, you know, put on right. a play here. But the kids want to go down to town, and, and Charles is like, okay, let's go. And I'm like, why? Why? After the re- response that you had in town today, would you take them back into town? They're going to be discriminated against. That's right. what's going to happen. I don't... Mm. Honor's face is showing, Lois' face is showing, Tane's face is not showing because it's covered by a sack. <laughs> very creepy. Very, very creepy. And... um you know, Rebecca's like, don't forget to go by my mom's. She runs the boarding house. She gives out chocolates or whatever. So the kids go running off. And at that point, um, Rebecca mentions that the town's the town basically is prone to you're going to get sick either mentally or physically. <laughs> like That's what this town does to people. And I'm like, well, that's what the world does to right. people. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, the kids are uh, attacked by racist classmates because fucking of course they are. I knew that. Which leads to a very Protect cute scene. Your though. goddamn children. But Abel, yes, the black uh, dude that works at the mill and has a three-lay you know, right. stake uh, sort of saves them. And I'm like, uh-oh, Honor and Abel are going to get together. <laughs> That's what I think. Well, she also pops one to the guy who... She does. Honor Honor punches one of the two. Very well. Straight up out. And then... I would think you'd learn how to fight on a Oh, ship. yes, you would. <laughs> and I loved his response was something like, you know, do all the girls on the ship learn how to punch like that? And she's like, do all farm boys fall down so easy? Fall down so easy, yeah. <laughs> Which was really cute. It's really good, yeah. And then he laughs at that, and um, you know he wanted to punch that dude. Right. Like, he's like, oh, yes. Vindication. However, it's even more humiliating when the guy got punched by a girl. And I love the bully's response. I'm gonna tell my dad. Like, yeah, really? Yeah, cool. Cool, cool, I cool. I picked on a girl and she beat me up, and yeah. now I'm gonna go tell my dad. Absolutely. So then, unfortunately, uh, is it Rose? Is that her name? Isn't it always? Yeah, Rose. Rose, the wife of the missing lumberjack and the mother of the sick Susan, uh, comes screaming out of her house because Susan has passed away. And her last words implicated Charles's uh, uh, deceased relative, Stephen Boone, uh, which people are like, that's ridiculous. But then, like, a, a kerfuffle, a kerfuffle is about to start happening, that's and then we see the uh, the sheriff or the marshal. I don't know what his title is, but we had seen him earlier saying goodbye to his wife. I think his wife, who said she was too tired to go out, and he gets real worried because she's afraid she's got the sickness, and she's like, it's not the sickness. I've just had a long day. And I'm like, it's probably the sickness, though. And he's out there, um, and he fires his gun into the air and tells everybody to go home. And I'm like, well, that's one way to deal with it. Um, Beginning the long American tradition on Halloween of firing guns into the air. 
when there are children everywhere. You wondered where it started. Good job, and everyone. Now we've seen it. <laughs> yep. This is it. Jesus invented the table, and this dude invented firing a gun into the right. air on Halloween. Uh, and they go back, and oh, he's town's constable. The constable. Uh, and Charles, when he gets back, he's like um, shaken, and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna dig up this motherfucker's grave. <laughs> and I'm like, really, man, who's afraid of being buried alive? You're gonna dig up somebody's grave? That seems like an excellent idea. But he does do it, and there is a lock on the outside of the casket, and nothing on the inside. Wah wah. Yeah. (laughs) Seems real bad. So that is the end of Memento Mori. Wherein we all die. And nobody knows what happens after that. (laughs) Sometimes, apparently, they come back. So, worms, razor blades, Halloween... It's all happening in Chapel Wait. How do you think? What do you think? I think that I'm really enjoying it so far. As I said last week, I'm really enjoying the evocation of the period. I think it's working very well. I like the plot. I'm compelled by the the main storyline. I don't know if Adrian Brody's captain is having these visions because he had this traumatic experience as a child or whether he's actually crazy. Or whether this house does something to you or your bloodline. Right. Or, you know, he's close to uh, what I'm going to go ahead and say pretty confidently is a fucking vampire that shares right. well, his we can blood. Say that with Jerusalem's <laughs> lot. Um, I well, like I the, the saucy vampire girl. I don't know what part she plays this later on. I don't know about She's up to her. something. I like the fact that there's a lot of illusions in here. Like the first time you see her, she's eating an apple. I'm going, aha. Don't take the apple from her. We know how yeah, this no, story Yeah, no, she definitely, yeah. No, I think that was a little heavy-handed, but it was still kind of funny. Um, I wanted the uh, woman who had the baby out of wedlock. Um, I yes. wanted her to be named Pearl so that I could see that uh, this existed in the Nathaniel Hawthorne universe, and this is the daughter of Hester Prince. Oh, my God, right. But that, that unfortunately did not happen, which would have been really fun. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if I can figure out what her name is. Her name is Faith. Of course it is. That's right. Faith such and such is a whore. And the father of that child is a coward. Um, I don't (laughs) think Faith is a whore, but I do believe the father is a coward. Yes, correct. Um, But But also pack your shit and move away from this You would think, right. So (laughs) I'm not sure exactly, and maybe one of our viewers can answer this historical question. Why didn't people just move away? Yeah, that's my uh, big that problem with the Scarlet and, Letter. I, it's not, don't let this town beat you or whatever. You could literally move two towns away. Nobody right. knows who the fuck you are. Right. You do not have to wear that A. And your daughter will not be tormented and turn out deeply broken. Because right, right now, this girl is going through a lot. Well, in the Scarlet Letter, Pearl turns out as a child to be kind of a She's Wednesday a Adam. She's yeah. dangerous. Yes. And so, yeah, that, that did not do her any good. And I don't think her mom, wearing this A around this town, no. did anything to help her. No, I don't. And I'm just like, this is bad parenting. I just, I this don't. is the parenting that some people want to go back to, which astounds me, but whatever. What do you want to see next time? 
More worms? I want to see. Um, actually, strangely, I'm good on worms. Um, all, set, all set on worms? I want I to bad, see. I, I have a bad feeling that worms are going to be the motif I of think, this show. Yes, this will, it'll be Dune and this show, I think, in terms of the... Those um, are very different types of worms. You, you hope, because I wouldn't want to see that coming out of his nose. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, um, it's pretty intense. Those scenes of the graveyard worms are really, really, really gross. Uh, but I do like the relationships between the children and especially now Abel, that other yes. character. It's frustrating to watch how the town is so I want Abel to make it failing. out of this and I don't think he's going to end. I'm, uh, saying, I'm yeah. scared I want him. Abel and the kids to make it out of this. I yeah. don't believe the captain's going to make it out. I don't think so either. I don't I think, think Rebecca's going to make it out. I think he's going to need to uh, sacrifice himself for them, probably. Right. Or he could be the outright villain of the show. I don't know what's happening. Um, I don't. And I feel because they're so sad for a villain. Though. There's he has the saddest eyes. Those eyebrows just like me. He got puppy eyebrows. Oh, sad. <laughs> so sad. Well, I, I like um, I like some of the characters. One of the things that was bothering me about um, Lisey's story, yeah, is just the lack of. Well, for one thing, the biggest disappointment was give these three amazing women yes, more to do. Right. And yes. Clive Owen is an amazing actor too. Yeah, but can also, you make him stop acting like a child? It's very disconcerting. Nothing happened most so of the time. So much didn't happen. Yeah, and it was just, you could predict what was going to happen because so little happened from story to story that there was nothing that was done to create suspense or take you off balance. This show is taking twists, and it has a large cast. Big cast. So there's always someone doing something where you're not losing interest, even... Like, for instance, uh, the captain's repeated attempts to get the town interested in their own future. It's going to become repetitive after a while, but we need to see this sort of failure after failure. Yeah, and it's only been four days or whatever. Right. So, I mean, he is going to keep trying, but, I would presume. But, like, yeah, no, I'm with them. They'll pack it up. I'd hate them to give up that house. But I would like them to see, you know, the, the, to me, the easiest thing is to bring in labor from another town. It was and just resettle it. Well, the problem with that is all of the labor from this town lives in the housing from this town. So... You've got to set up camps or something right. if that's going to be the case. Uh, but, you know, yeah, because the mill is on a perfect location to do right. what he wants to do. He's got a very good idea. I mean, we're talking about a family that then could be Rockefeller level, right? right? Like, Well, they already have the house for it. Right. So I love the house, by the way. The I art guess the you're really has an ode it to that is house. Very, very beautifully gothic and weird. It is. I gothic. mean, you're talking to a person. Oh, this whole thing is to who gothic. Like leaves off and walks on tours of Alameda, looking at old houses and trying to pick out the architectural designs. So yeah, this is kind of a dream house. Um, aside from all the evil, you know. Yeah. But you take the good, you take the bad. Oh, no. Facts of life. So what do you feel so far going into it? So far, I really like it. I... And I... I my understanding was that this was a 10-episode undone thing. Uh-huh. And if that's the case, this I don't feel like we're, you know, a fifth of 20% through a thing. Right. 
but I don't know where we're ending up. So that's intriguing to you know, me. I feel that of all the Stephen King properties, probably Drew, uh, Salem's Lot and maybe The Shining have the most potential for television. Because you could do a multi-generational story yeah, on how everything went to hell in this yeah. town. And both books have multi-generational stories, both mm-hmm. about the Overlook and about mm-hmm. Jerusalem's Lot. Which is what Castle Rock was trying to catch in right. on. Right, and, and, and it did. And it's a pity that it isn't continuing because there's so much you can do with it. But I remember that Robert Bloch was, at one point, going to do a story about the individual horror stories around the Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. And you can see that too, and and which that is what kind Bates, of got done. the Bates Motel tried to do. I right. failed on that show. It, it did. It's not a, for any reason. I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember why I stopped watching it. You all finished it though. Yeah, I um, but it didn't. It didn't quite. Uh, it it anchored itself with Norman Bates as a young man. And after a while, that gets sort of repetitive, the same way that Smallville does. Which is when is so. he going to be Superman? He's thirty five years old now. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, so I feel that this is, if they're going to have a second season of this show, you could just jump another 50 years in the future and do it then. You could say, Yeah, right. See what, what's, point. yeah, because this house has been rotten since 1850. So yeah, right. we There's know what happened in the with. 19th. What is it? When does Salem's Lot take place? Or Jerusalem's Lot take place? Um, Salem's Lot was what the, the 1970s, but it's been updated a couple of times. So, uh, Okay. The story of Ben Mears, you mean? But the, the Mars- short story. Oh, Jerusalem Slot is a short story. Uh-huh. Published in nineteen seventy-eight. Oh, got it. Okay, here's my problem. I was getting it confused with Salem Slot, the novel Salem Slot. Okay. So Jerusalem Slot is an epistolary short story set in Preacher's Corners. So. Charles Boone is the ma- is the narrator, so I didn't. I got confused. Okay, <laughs> I really thought it was a pre like a weird prequel. No, but I mean, as a property though, it can expand to be all sorts of things. Right, but Salem. I yeah. was thinking Salem's Lot. That story takes place in the seventies, right? Right, and then the original take on it, and then of course like Salem's Lot, the there. one with I believe they did update to time. Right. The Rob Lowe version yes. of it as well. Okay, okay, got you. But Jerusalem's Lot is a short story that was published in Night Shift. It was also printed in the illustrated edition of the 1975 novel Salem's Lot, which is pretty cool. So, yeah. So, yeah, Charles now thinks there are rats in the walls because he's hearing sounds in the walls uh-huh. and also uh, worms everywhere and also a ghost lady on the path. So This that's, is going to be interesting. That's oh, Charles's um, sitch. Our next episode... That's a good question. Oops, I got a sneeze. Legacy of Madness. Well, that seems great. Mm. Legacy of Madness, directed by Jeff Renfro, direct, or written by uh, Scott Kosar, airing originally on September 12th, 2021. That is what we will be watching. In the meantime, do you have anything you'd like to recommend? Um, yes. Uh, so this weekend was full of a lot of interesting things. We did many things. And um, one of them was to actually go see a movie. 
And we saw the Eternals. That's what you're recommending? I'm going to recommend that. Last Eternals. Okay with you. It's fine with me. Um, I The Marvel movies can be hit and miss. And sometimes they're always entertaining, even if I'm not particularly involved with them. Agreed. Uh, I never have a bad time at them. It's like, oh, you know, I didn't really have a connection to Captain Marvel because she was after my time. Comic books was a very specific period for me. Um, but I really enjoyed the movie and stuff. And so The Eternals was, I recognized Jack Kirby, who was a great comic book artist and a really prolific one. I recognized his artwork all over the place. Yeah. But what I liked is that instead of going the direction that they had been going with, working with the same directors all the time, they went with a, a completely different kind of director. Uh, Chloe Zhao. Zhao. Zhao, I'm sorry. It's okay. And she um, she made this a much more interesting and emotional film than it could have been. Mm-hmm. I think that it's the first time there's an actual sex scene in a Marvel film. There it is. Um, also, two men's kiss each other. Yes. It's, it, it it's breaks dif- a lot of ground. different people than that are in the sex scene. Yes. Let me be clear. <laughs> but, um, but it just seemed like she took it seriously. Mm-hmm. As if to say, okay, if this story is so outlandish, and it is, ancient aliens and the rise and fall of civilizations and things, and in a way it's almost like watching a Highlander, if you remember that with watching people time jump between periods in history. Yeah, it really, yes. Yeah. But what I appreciate about the film is what also bothered a lot of people, which is the diversity of it. Oh, yeah, no, if that's what bothered you about, I didn't, I liked but didn't love the movie. Mm-hmm. The diversity was my favorite part well, of you it. Well, I'm saying that's what <laughs> so, bothered yeah. some people about it. And it was... If um, diversity bothers you, I really need you to really well, look inside and... Like, There's a yeah. strange element with people where the automatic default is Caucasian. Yep. So if people come from outer space, they must be Caucasian. Like, why does that make any sense? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So um, I like the fact that there was a diverse cast. That there yeah. was representation of all sorts of people. I like the fact that I went into it assuming that, uh, given her stature, Angelina Jolie was going to be the hero, and she was not. No. Um... Chloe Zhao gave Gemma Chan the lead role. Weird. (laughs) But it's really good. And she really carries it off as a person who is not certain. It's very much, you know, we've been treated to Captain America who just does, you know, the morally righteous guy who does things. And so seeing somebody who doesn't know if they can pull their act together and if they're even, and the fact that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of not-so-subtle jabs at the establishment. There's a point when there's a white male character who everyone keeps deferring to it and calling boss, even though he's not the one yeah. that was a and he keeps person. saying that I didn't, I am not in charge. First of all, the person that's in charge at the beginning, Salma Hayek, right. a Latina woman. The person she leaves in charge, Cersei, a Asian woman. Right. And that there's an Asian presenting. None of them. They're right. not Latina. They're not. They're aliens. <laughs> but right. they're, that's what they look like. But um, but yeah, it was interesting watching that, and I also liked the the design of the characters. It does go a lot with Jack Kirby's costumes and things, mm-hmm. the sort of art that he used to do. The characters, the monsters themselves, are very interesting looking. Yes. 
because there's no attempt to make them look like other things that we're familiar with. Yeah. Which I really appreciate. They're very weird. Um, and the overall breadth of the film, there was emotional parts to it. There mm-hmm. was a lot of uh, resonance, like these people who keep trying to keep the human race going and then find out, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody, because there's a bit, a very big turn in the film. Yeah, they get here 5,000 BC. They've been here since then. Right. So, yeah, I really, I appreciated it because I went in with no expectations. Yeah, no, I knew it was going to be beautiful because I'd seen a trailer. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was, that was what I knew. But I didn't know that it was going to strive to actually reach some sort of emotional, um, well, to have emotional scenes or scenes that actually engage the audience on that level. I certainly was not prepared for the amount of, um, or like the it subverted a lot of my expectations for the film, so I really enjoyed it. Now, what about you? I will say for that one, um, Dune is very clearly part one of two. Right. This one did not. It wasn't so starkly not a complete story, uh-huh. but also it doesn't feel like a complete story mm. because there are two sort of plot lines that are somewhat parallel and then diverge. Right. And only one of them is really sort of completed. The other one we're just like, well, what the... Well, uh, and what's also going on something... With the, those things over... What's, what's the point of that? The that you gave, <laughs> there are three separate climaxes going on simultaneously in this yeah. film. And but only like there's only resolution to one right, storyline, exactly. um, and and it's a partial resolution because then there is a dot 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 to that right. resolution. So um, I just it didn't feel like a complete movie, but that is sort of par for the course with a franchise with these fran- these movies yeah. in the Marvel universe. So, I liked it, I didn't love it, but um I certainly support it, support it, for sure support it. Um my recommendation is going to be different. It's going to okay. be two things. And I do two things cuz I'm greedy like that. And my two things are both Netflix things. And the first thing, we watched all of the, well, I watched all of these on one day. I watched okay. The Eternals in the morning, and then we came back and we watched a movie called The Harder They Fall, which is a black-ass western. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. It stars uh, Idris Elba and Regina uh, King and uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Joshua, or no, Jonathan Majors. Zazie Beats, Dion Cole, I mean, uh, Delroy Lindo. Delroy Lindo, yeah. There's a massive black cast in this movie. It is a western, it, it takes place in the west. It does have some uh, shades of a Robert Rodriguez in the filming, shades mm-hmm. of something like that. It's, it's by a filmmaker named James. Oh, let me look it up. I can find it easily because he spells his name real weird. James Samuel. Uh, who apparently is a British, is a singer-songwriter, which is unsurprising because one of the songs that plays during this thing is the James Samuel remix. And I was like, 
That's the director of this movie. Mm. So he's a black British singer, songwriter, music producer, and filmmaker. Uh, He, uh, the music for this. Oh, shit. He's Seal's brother. What? Wow. So that's interesting. Uh, The music for this is Rad. Uh, He was the... The stage name, his stage name is The Bullets, which is outside of my purview. I don't know who that is. But this movie is super entertaining, super stylized. I enjoyed it very much. I like everybody in it. I think they were all really good. There's a cool little thing at the end that's like, ooh, cliffhanger. And uh, I'm here for it. I really, really liked it. It's on Netflix. The other thing also on Netflix is a rom-com called uh, Love Hard, starring Nino Dobrev and Jimmy O. Yang. And uh, he catfishes her, whoops, but then tries to help her get the guy that she wants. But wait, he wants things that she isn't, so she's going to pretend to be something she isn't. Wait a minute, why is that different than catfishing with somebody else's photos, but your personality's the same. Guys, they're gonna fall in love. <laughs> it's uh, a raw yes. comment. It's I, the am, best. I couldn't see it coming. Your <laughs> description was a complete puzzle to me. So. I love it. It was really fun. It's called um, Love Hard because there's a debate between them, between what's the quote-unquote best Christmas movie, Die Hard versus Love Actually, and here's a pro tip. It's neither of those. (laughs) But that's fine. It's fine. That's why it's called what it's called. Uh, It's nice to see Nina Dobrev post uh, Vampire Diaries. She looks so much younger than she probably actually is. So good for her and her skincare regime. Uh, But that's a really fun movie. It's a good watch, and I I, recommend it. I don't... Do romantic comedies? It's a problem I, I that did, you have. <laughs> yes, it's, just, <laughs> it's really a shame. Sorry, you're missing out on such wonderful uh, content. If well, it had more dinosaurs, maybe I'll find um, you one with a. Di- you think I can't find a rom com with a dinosaur? You are. You really underestimate me. But I, um, <laughs> I have to. Uh, what do you call it? The harder they fall. I saw it with you. Mm-hmm. I actually really liked it. There were. Some very see a long time ago. I mean, we've been producing westerns. Well, the very first full-length film, and full-length films were ten minutes long, was a western. I would argue that that movie with the train was a western. Which one? Well, just the train. The train that's just coming at well, you. It's coming at you. But the very first the, the, of, the, of the full-length In that, movies, it was filmed in what yeah. could conceivably be called the old fucking West. It was a Western with a horse chase and gunplay yeah. and everything. That was the very that first is what we do. film in terms of the way that we think about them now that wasn't just a, you know, a short. Um, and so we've been making Westerns for a very long time. And it... One of the things that's tr- problematic about American Westerns, for the most part, not all of them, but for the most part, is that they are consciously myth-making. And they're making myths that are uncomfortable mm-hmm, to deal mm-hmm, with now. Mm-hmm. It's about white supremacy, about the death of the Indian, about you know the, the, the fact that you see Westerns that don't include the Chinese or the black cowboys who are so much a part of the West. Absolutely. And at the beginning, mm-hmm. it does say this is fictional, but these people were real. Right. And all of the people in here, there is... Are real. There is documentation that right. each of these characters did actually exist. So this film, what it was, uh, what I appreciated um, 
about the spaghetti western, so-called Italian western films that Sergio Leone was a part of that started a whole genre, is that from the weird Morricone music to the weird hyper gunfights, they're all aware that they're creating a mess. Yep, yep, yep. They they know that this is all bullshit, frankly. And there's so, a point where they go into a white town, like a town full uh-huh. of white people. It's literally and the way that they design it is it is white, like you would see in a like a 1950s version of Heaven, where right. all the buildings are white, the ground is white, yes. all the people are wearing white. It's a white <laughs> town. Yeah, but so as I was saying, the there was a, a clear understanding in Italian westerns and when they started getting made in Spain as well that this is a myth and weirdly enough they included Asian and black characters in them more often than we did here in the in America yeah um but they knew that it was nonsense and so this film I appreciate it because it goes along that same sort of trope it's like we know this is a myth mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the thing is if there's so many myths created why not these ones supporting white supremacy then we can do mm-hmm. this too yep and we can actually introduce actual characters that you're supposed to know about I mean there was a black cowboy in a western film that wound up being played by Clint Eastwood um, because they didn't feel they could get a, a white audience to see a story about a black cowboy mm-hmm. and every once in a while you'd have a film like Sergeant Rutledge that would focus on a black cow, a buffalo soldier in that case. Mm, mm-hmm. But it was so infrequent that you can literally count those in the fingers of one hand. Right. So seeing this, this was fun. Every It's very stylized. It was very stylized. Um, there's a lot of uh, modern music, if that throws you off. The music bad. was, but it's so it's good. It's really well curated. It's so, so, so good. It's right. clear that he's a musician, that that was an important part of his filmmaking process. It is, yeah, it's modern. But it's yeah. very, it's, so. it's, the music is very carefully curated. <laughs> it's, it's also a movie made with cameras, which did not exist at right. this time. So, yeah. It's at one mo- point, um, it even like a lot of later Westerns does, like tips a hat to the Shaw Brothers movie because Regina King a, brings out a rope dart at some point. Like, yes, she does. What did, wait, what? There's <laughs> like, also a scene, uh, they, they do an, a little bit of homage to Chadwick Boseman. I don't know if he was <laughs> going to maybe be in this or it was just a thing. They they name a train after him and they have right. it just in huge letters across yeah, the screen. Very it was very sweet. I so. still have yet to see the, the last thing that he did, the episode of What If. Um, and we haven't watched the uh, Five Bloods either. Yeah, we haven't finished the Five Bloods. Duh, Five Bloods. Which is also having Del Lindo it. in that one too? I believe so. Del um, Lindo is a very large man. You've met him, right? I've met him, yes. <laughs> I'm like, in you very strange circumstances, yes. Nude. I I've met him right. in, the, in the shower room at the y, the YMCA in in uh, downtown Berkeley. Like, oh, you're you're tall. The <laughs> cast of The Five Bloods is Delroy Lindo, Jonathan Majors, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., um, and then has Shadwick Boseman in it yeah. and Jean Renault. Um, but, like, Jonathan Majors, I didn't realize Jonathan Majors was... Also one of them. Jonathan Majors, I saw him originally in uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah. And he plays a person who... A movie I have not worked myself up to see. Yeah, it it was very hard for me to see. As a matter of fact, my friend that was watching it with me asked if, are you sure you want to see this? Yeah. Because it's about a a person in the Bay Area losing their housing. Yeah. And Very close to home. It was very close to home at the time. But he was amazing. In it because he he's is, yeah he's been amazing in everything. He's I've playing seen. someone who's m- 
in the spectrum somewhere. Mm. And so you're following him as a main character. So sometimes he does things that make sense only to him, but they're consistent. Right, right. And they really look to be a part of his behavior. He's got an internal logic. Right. So uh, and watching him play off of Danny Glover and other people. It's mm. like he was very good. Good. Yeah, I think he's really good. And I think he's so interesting looking. Mm. Like all of his features are so defined. Right. And I'm just like, um, and like almost exaggerated. Right. So just watching him emote anything right. is like times ten because well, it, everything it, it reminds on his me face of, is like. It's Siskel and Ebert's thing about you know, uh, good actors have bigger heads than other people. Yeah, it and, feels like his head is like massive. Right, and I remember watching. It's not out of proportion with his body. It doesn't look no. bad. I think he's a very attractive person. James Earl Jones, you know, they said his face is like a billboard. You just watch emotions roll, roll up and down, down his face, yeah. right? But yeah, 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 I totally get it. He's an interesting actor to watch. Who was the woman that was giving good face recently that we just, that we talked about? I feel like it was that same day. It was Angelina Jolie. Was it? Because we were commenting on how she does crazy really well. No, that wasn't it. Okay, then I don't remember. It was somebody who was on the verge of tears. Like a lot, and I can't remember. I don't remember. I can't remember who it was. Uh, you guys had mentioned that I. That's mm. unsurprising to me. She's not all together. All together, I don't think. That's I not. think she's tapping into some stuff. She wears vials of blood around. I. It's not. It's not an aesthetic I can't get behind. I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. I think that. Does that do it? I think that does it. All right. So we will let you go. Uh, next week, we are going to watch Legacy of Madness. That's uh, episode three of Chapel Wait. Uh, now that we know what we're actually... We're going to be watching a Lovecraft story. Legacy of Madness. really what it fucking sounds like. Or maybe the no, history of the Republican more. Party. The history of the Republican Party started good. Legacy of Madness. Well, lately. Started great. Abolitionists. Hoo-ah. And then, took a turn. <laughs> All right. If you have questions or comments or concerns, you can reach us uh, by email at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook by looking for Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. You can play our episodes through there, or, or subscribe. You should subscribe. Subscribe you should, to us in whatever podcatcher you use. Podcatcher, it's like a net like lacrosse. Mm-hmm. You grab it before it runs Scoop. Pod scoop. Pod scoop. Uh, I would like to remind you to please take your medicine, including vaccines. And we would like to remind you. Better late than never. never.